1: To be honest, I was scared reaching out for help, because I was like, this could totally ruin my career. Somebody to have a more proactive approach, and that he was coming to me to be that person. They found him, and he committed suicide.
0: I just started screaming. I just felt responsible. Good morning, everybody. Tim Lawson here, host and founder of the... One Too Many Veteran Suicide Project and Podcast. This week's going to bring us a Marine Corps veteran who was injured in combat and struggled with recovery both physically and mentally and led him into an attempt at suicide. And was able to bring the problem to his family and push forward and and deal with uh, the issues that he was facing. Before we get into his interview though... This project is meant to tell the stories behind veteran suicide. They are, they are of course dark and a little unpleasant to to listen to. But they're it's important to share these stories. It's por- it's important to remember that they're that they're real, and there's a lot to be able to take from these. These are these are first hand experiences that we can all learn from, and that is um, that is the real value behind these stories. This is the 5th episode and each guest has been willing to put out their name on the episode which is fantastic. I think that I think that shows that you know I think I've, I think that's helping remove the stigma. I think that's uh, I think that's a huge step towards removing the stigma is each uh, each of my guests have been willing to to put their name on the on the episode and admit that yes, that's me, that's that's my story, knowing that their friends and family will be listening. So please respect them, respect their stories, respect their opinions, their experiences. It takes a lot to come forward and, and to talk about things like this. This project, possible and propelling forward because of my Kickstarter backers and my sponsors, Veteran Empire was willing to, uh, or they were nice enough to, allow me to use the uh, a spin-off of one of their more popular products the black t-shirt i used a black t-shirt with a yellow logo for my kickstarter uh program and it was actually uh, the most popular uh, item and reward on my kickstarter a lot of people love that shirt and i just got done sending out a bunch of them to the pledgers now i have a handful left if anybody is interested in getting a Veteran Empire T-shirt, you can actually just go to uh, o n e the number two manyproject com slash store, and there's an opportunity to buy a T-shirt there if you're interested. Big thanks to Veteran Empire; they are this week's sponsor. Casey talks to us about the being aware of the side effects of PTSD, which is really interesting about. Um, you know, he didn't notice it right away, but he he knew at one point he saw the impatience. He you know the not sleeping, the ir- you know being irritable, and being able to just tell that he was difficult to be around. And you know it's it's got to be it's got it you know and that's a hard thing to be aware of to know that you are that person uh, and to be conscious about it, but not be able to consciously control it. And so I, th- I think that it's, re- you know, his story is really interesting in that way that he admits that he knew that he was, uh, that he had these problems and that, um, you know, sooner or later, you know, once he became so aware that the, that he was causing these problems, you know, he felt like a burden and that you know, his family may be better off without him. And he talks to us about, you know, how that, uh, drove him into his attempt. Fortunately, uh, he was, uh, unable to succeed in that attempt and, is here to tell us about a story and in the reflections i'll explain what i mean about the selfishness of suicide which is the title of today's show um i have a very uh very interesting point of view on where the selfishness and suicide really lies um both in the selfishness to commit and the selfishness to criticize those who try to commit so um i'll i'll speak on that more in the reflections. For now, though, here is Casey Sivamaki, a Marine Corps sergeant served from 02 to 06, was injured in combat in Ramadi, and is here to tell us about his story.
2: Yeah, it was, we were in Ramadi on, it was November 4th, 2004, and we went on a, a battalion raid, and, uh, you know, it was about two in the morning, you know, left in the dark, and it kind of nothing was going on. We didn't take much contact and we actually reached the platoon objective about, uh, it was about 9:30, 10 in the morning. And it was just kind of a, a lone scenario. One guy and we were trying to get break, a breach a gate to get into a school compound. And an RPG just kind of came out of nowhere and, normally you can kind of you can hear them launch and if you catch them right away I guess you can almost get out of the way but nobody even heard it all we just heard was the detonation and it went kind of past me and it hit where the the road and the curb would meet and the blast the main blast went past me in the other direction I guess and I just kind of got sprayed with debris and rocks and uh, the back blast off of the the street, and it uh <clears throat> got my my foot, my shin, my calf, my back, my shoulder, my face. I ended up losing uh my left index finger, and <clears throat> when I got medevac from there, I went from Ramadi immediately immediately to Junction City, and then from there I went to uh, Blod, where I went to my first surgery. And uh, when I woke up from surgery, the guy next to me was kind of, uh, you yeah, know, he was pretty hysterical, I guess. And he had mentioned a couple names of Barrow and Hubbard, which I knew were with my unit. And I didn't know at the time, but before that, the snipers went out on uh, uh, Overwatch for the raid and they had gotten hit with an IED, so uh, two of my friends from boot camp and SOI and everything were, they were killed that morning, and another one was wounded, and another, another Marine that was in Fox Company with me during the invasion was wounded with me, and he was actually sitting across from me in uh, the recovery room, which was kind of nice, I guess, it was nice to have a a familiar face there when this type of event, but he was hurt pretty severely too. And then um from Blot, I went to Germany. I spent six days in Germany. And then when I got back to Pendleton, took about a week to get back to Stateside. And I had a year left on my contract. After that, I, I was there for two months. My unit didn't come back until... They still had five, like five and a half months left on their deployment. So after that, I was kind of on my own program for the rest of my enlistment. And just, you know, it was a lot of medical from there. And and then I decided to get out and move my family back to Great Falls in Montana, where I'm from, and you know, things just kind of slowly started to go downhill from there, and
0: How did, how did, how was the transitional experience for you getting, you know, exiting the Marine Corps? Um, you know, did you, did you feel
2: well prepared? It wasn't too bad. I mean, the lab, my last year, I felt pretty good going, getting ready to get out. And it seemed like things were easier staying in the military environment. And then, so I think it would have been a lot harder say i'd only had two months or three months left and i you know i just it happened and i was out yeah i think that that would have been probably even worse i kind of had time to prepare myself and i thought i was going about it you know had a good idea about what i was going to do work-wise and you know getting everything situated but it didn't quite turn out like i thought it would
0: you know so you mentioned in the in the in the message that you're, you're suffering from severe PTSD, um, is that just self-awareness or have you had anybody like officially diagnose you with it or how, how, how how did you come to the realization that that's what, what was going on?
2: Um, the first thing started when I was still in the military, you can't sleep, you know, depression and everything, but it seems like everybody I knew too, the very first thing that happens is nobody can sleep. I mean, you just, you lay there, you can't, you can't even get drunk and, you know, pass out. You just can't sleep, period. So that was kind of the first deal of it. And then, you know, they start with the sleeping meds and then the antidepressants and they the irritability and there's no, you don't have any, well, I don't have any patients and it just, you're on a real, uh, short fuse, I guess, all the time.
0: And when, and were you, were you self aware at the time? Like, did you realize that what was going on and you just couldn't help it?
2: Yeah, kind of. You know, things started to get, you know, different. And then, uh, I went to, to see a psychiatrist or whatever on Pendleton. And, and then, yeah, it just things start not working right. And you start noticing yourself that you, don't like crowds, and, you know, you just kind of want to keep to yourself, and, but you kind of notice it yourself at first, and then, after a while, they have all these mandatory surveys, and, you know, PTSD, uh, checklists that you gotta do every time you go to the VA, or whatever, every so often, and then when you start going through those lists, and, I mean, you're checking every box they got, and that's when it kind of really, sets in that that's what's going on
0: and he, he said he attempted suicide um this summer i'm assuming you're talking about the summer of 2013 yeah um what um yeah i mean go you know explain to me what what, what happened
2: um this summer you know kind of i've been dealing with my back i have a really bad back from uh the injuries and just the whole carrying the heavy rucksacks in the military and it's just that's been a big deal. I've taken narcotics. I think it's been a daily thing now for at least four years now. And um, my wife at the time doesn't want, you know, nobody wants me taking the narcotics because they're bad for your body. And and then that kind of gets involved. And then I was working night shift at the post office, and the hours and the between the bad hours at work, the bad shift, the pain from the, my injuries and, um, things just start kind of falling apart at home. And then the stress level just, you know, it goes through the roof and I got three daughters and it just, it gets to a point where, um, you just feel like they'd be better off without you. And it just, it kind of snowballs once things go, start going, uh, once things start going south, it just, it kind of keeps going and, and you get to the point where it just, it would feel better if you, would think it'd be easier if you weren't there and they didn't have to deal with everything.
0: You know, Casey, what, um, I mean, how did, how did you attempt?
2: I tried, I took, um, I was taking morphine for my back and I tried to overdose on the morphine pills I had built up such a tolerance from taking their narcotics for so long, I mean, it didn't even phase me. It just ended up in the hospital. And afterwards, you know, the next day, I, you know, knew what I'd done, and I had to tell my parents and go to the hospital to, you know, check yourself in the emergency room. And I ended up going to the VA hospital here in Helena, which is like an hour and a half drive. So, you you know, you're sitting in the car, everybody's driving down there, you got to tell them, you know, what you just did. And it's just, uh, it's, it's pretty low feeling, I guess.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, um, you know, I don't, I don't know if I, how obvious or clear I make this like in the Kickstarter and stuff, you know, so I've, I've, I've been, I've suffered through suicidal behavior before. Um, and I know what that's, uh, you know, fortunately, my only attempt didn't turn, uh, wasn't as severe to where I had to admit to people what happened. It just, mm-hmm. ap- it just appeared that I was sick, you know, the next day. Yeah. Um. Same thing. I I attempted to overdose. Um. My my mother had like some muscle relaxers or something, or what I I knew she had some muscle relaxers in the um in the cupboard, and I I grabbed the bottle that I assumed were them, and yeah, I just threw down the whole bottle and tr- and you know chased it with a beer yeah um woke up the next morning with just a twisted stomach. my body you know tried to process all that medication mm-hmm. um, and I was just really sick. but fortunately, you know I didn't have to you know I just appeared to be really sick. yeah you know couldn't keep anything down so it just seemed like either like a flu or food poisoning or something. so um, I didn't have to admit to anybody what had happened, which is good because it it, it would have raised some red flags that probably were unnecessary at the time. Yeah. Um. So I I know what that's like to sort of you know wake up the next day and say, like what did I just do you know why yeah. yeah um so you know when it, when you were when you were able to reflect on what you had what you had just done did you did you feel like any remorse did you feel bad about it or you know I guess even a better question is like you know what what during your reflection on what you just did made, made it to where you weren't gonna try again.
2: I guess if you sit back and look at it, like the night before, you, you think it's gonna be better for, for me, you know, better for my kids for me to be gone and the fighting to stop. And just, I felt like I was the, the cause of all the anguish and, you know, fighting and stress and everything. And then the, the next day, it just, I guess you realize how selfish it is and it's not going to be the answer to it. And, you know, my kids need, they need their father more than they need me to work through it than just take the easy way out, I guess.
0: What, um, you know, so what was the response from the people around you?
2: Um, my parents immediately, you know, we love you and we're going to get you the help that you need. And, unfortunately, from my ex, it's, why'd you do this? Why are you so selfish? You know, how could you even think that this was the right answer or whatever? And I guess you get the two two sides. You get the one, you get the love and support, and then other people tell you how selfish you are. And I can't believe you even thought of that. And they just don't see the mindset that you were in to get to that position i guess
0: are your are your daughters aware of what happened
2: yeah i um i was kind of a toss-up I mean, actually i didn't tell them right away i started seeing a counselor and i talked to them a little bit but i i came to my own decision that they deserve to know that what just deserve to know what just happened and why I had to go to the hospital for I think I was there for four or five days is all and then they let me come home and kinda of work on things outpatient. But I felt that they deserved to know what was going on, which at times now has kinda of come to bite me in the ass, but I still think they they needed to know what happened.
0: And you know, what was what was their reaction? <laughs> I mean, I can't even imagine being, you know, being a child and having a parent telling me, that, yeah. you know, what, what, what just happened. I got
2: a nine year old, a 12 year old, and a 15 year old. So my, my oldest was, she was kind of angry. She just walked off and she started crying. So I know it, it affected her, but hers was mostly anger, I guess. And then the younger two, I don't know. I don't know if they quite really, Grasp what just happened completely, maybe, or but they didn't seem to be too affected by it at the time. Didn't react too much, you know. Gave me a hug and told me they loved me, and and that was kind of it. And really, none of them, you know, it's been what seven or eight months now. It's no one really wants to bring it up.
0: Yeah. So you know what are what are some of your? You mentioned that you saw a counselor. How was that? Was that effective?
2: Uh, at times, I still do, I see a counselor, I'm a psychiatrist, I mean, I'm always at the VA, general doctors, appointments all the time, and sometimes it helps, and other times it kind of just make things more frustrating, I guess. I guess you go to the doctor and you just, you expect to, yeah, this is what we're going to do, this is black and white, this is how we're going to fix it. You
0: expect to fix.
2: Yeah, yeah, and then you... Sometimes you walk out with more questions than when you went in with, and
0: you know, there's a few objectives to this project that I'm doing. Okay. Um, you know, one of them is, you know, I want people to understand that, you know, veteran suicide, you know, especially when, when they hear about veteran uh, suicide from a military member that you know is under the age of 30 or around that age, they just assume like, oh, that guy saw something in Afghanistan, you know, like, and, and that's the that's where the that's where their mind goes, and I want people to realize that. Um, while the military is a is definitely a much is a very unique subculture and you know the way we live our lives is very different from from civilian life the reasons for emotional struggle are relatively the same Uh you know and you know sometimes it has to do with sexual trauma sometimes it has to do with transitional issues sometimes it's post-military life this isn't working for them so then the second objective of that is you know it's you know, it's it's hard to know what to do. You know, it's hard to know on both sides, right? When you're the person that's that's battling a suicidal behavior, you don't want to scare anybody. Yeah. You know, because it's even hard, like, because you face this dissonance inside of you of like, well, maybe I don't actually feel this way. Maybe I'm just like really sad right now. Uh huh. And so you don't want to reach out for help because you don't want to like sort of jump the gun and then all of a sudden create problems that maybe aren't there. Yeah. Um. And then on the other side, when you when you're the the bystander, when you're the observer, and you notice that something's off, like it's hard to intervene. It's really, you know, it's so awkward. It's so like, who? No one wants to ask someone, "Are you thinking about hurting yourself?"
2: Yeah. Because. Pretty touchy subject to bring up.
0: Yeah, because if they're not, they're going to, like, they're. it's all of a sudden they're going to disconnect from you because they feel like they're giving that impression. Yeah. And if they are, they're going to guard themselves because all of a sudden now they're vulnerable. And one of the things that I'm trying to do with this is I'm trying to maybe... Open a light to practical proactiveness that can that can take place where some where we can intervene in each other's lives without directly having to address these issues. You know, like where you know how we interact with each other, things, ways that we try to get involved with each other, things that we do um, to just sort of enhance each other's lives that sort of derails this suicidal behavior without even having to you know put our finger on it right away. Yeah. You mentioned you're on morphine. I'm assuming that's for your back, right? Yeah. Are
2: you still on that right now? Uh, I'm taking. I'm down to hydrocodone now, like Vicodin or whatever. Right. But I'm no longer working either. I'm fully disabled now.
0: You're fully disabled now.
2: Yeah. Through I'm 100% through the VA and Social Security.
0: So I mean, this is going to be a very broad question. I want you to answer it with the first thing that sort of comes to you okay what are you doing right now
2: uh right now i'm just trying to stay busy um i'm trying to get my shit together you know uh, with the divorce i'm living with my parents trying to get my my mind and my body bright and um just trying to get shit moving forward the best i can and right uh
0: what do you what do you enjoy doing what are things like if you had tomorrow completely to yourself to do as you as you choose? What would you do?
2: I like I work on cars, uh, outdoors. Um, actually, I spend a lot of time by myself, which I don't know is a good thing. I just uh, I like to be in the outdoors or just you know something constructive in the garage. Um,
0: I think solitude is okay. You know, I I think you know I think I think as long as you're not um. Yeah, what's the right word for it? Um, you know, as long as you're not, you know, throwing up that barrier. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think I think there's a lot of there's a lot of healthiness from from solitude. You know, you can you can sort of as long as as long as you're still willing to connect with people who are engaging with you. Yeah, you I mean, know, you so- gotta
2: process your own thoughts. Um, but some days, I mean, I, it's tough to get out of bed and really want to do anything. Uh, those are the hard ones. You just the motivation isn't there to really get up and I mean get going for the day. You remember the suicide
0: prevention briefings that we had in the in the Marine Corps? Yeah. You remember them? Yeah. If you and it, it's sort of hard to place this, but you know, if you. Um let's you know, let's say two weeks before your attempt you would experienced one of those suicide prevention briefings. Do you think during your attempt you would have even considered anything that was communicated through that briefing?
2: I don't know. It's kinda tough to say, you know, when they tell you if you're experiencing this, call someone or you know, call the hotline or whatever, but it's kinda it's hard to call Talk to someone and be like, yeah, I feel that shitty right now that I want to end it. Uh, You probably don't want to feel like talking to anybody in the first place, right? So it'd be hard. It'd be really hard to make that make that first step, I guess. Sure.
0: So one thing that I'm noticing in some in a lot of the interviews that I'm doing right now is the power of empathy. Have you had an opportunity to talk to, especially since you've been out? Have you had opportunity to talk to any of the service members who? experience the same sort of trauma or at least um are battling the same disabilities
2: yeah um actually just a couple weeks ago i got to visit a buddy i mean just for one day i saw a friend in denver that was in my fire team and another one in uh, missouri and you know we're all kind of going most of us i guess seem to be going through the same kind of battle i mean the one guy was wounded too and he's now probably going to end up getting a divorce and the other one of my other guys he's doing really good and uh it seems like a lot of them i mean you read all the posts on facebook and the internet or whatever and it, it seems like the majority of the vets are going through the same shit
0: it's tough right because we spend our i mean so how long were you in the marine corps then We'll just your, four years just from four 2002
2: years. to 2006.
0: So, so, you know, we're, you know, we're, it's beat into us that we're resilient. Mm-hmm. You know, that we can't be broken. And it, even if we do break ourselves, we can still kill everybody in our past, right? Yeah. And it's, it's difficult to step forward and say, um, because we, we still, there's still a stigma that, PTSD and suicide are weak you know there's still that like you were like these are this is happening because there's some sort of weakness within you mentally you yeah. know and that's the dissonance that we face right is I shouldn't feel like this because I'm a fucking marine you yeah. know and admitting to anybody that you know hey this is what I'm feeling makes us feel like hey I'm weak but I'm really hoping that with this, with this project that I'm doing and with other people that are making efforts towards fighting invisible wounds is the reality that we all have this sort of feeling inside of us. Uh You know, and I think something that we fail to realize is when someone gets deployed, whether it's to, straight to Iraq or Afghanistan or even like on a, on a boat or whatever. If they started at zero on the scale of PTSD or however it gets inflicted, even if you didn't see combat, whether your, your, your level of, um, experience with PTSD is still going to be something above zero. Because you still experienced something, right? I mean, you still experienced, um, you know, amount of, you know, you experienced something so, like, so shocking and different that you're going to come back with some sort of feeling. Um, whether it can be labeled as PTSD or not, like you still came back with some sort of notch above zero.
2: Yeah. It's like, you know, I, a lot of people ask I mean, what's it like or whatever, but, uh, the person that deploys is not the person that comes back, no matter, like you said, where they go or what they did. Yep. There's, they ain't coming back the same.
0: The, um, I just talked to, uh, I talked to Miley YC. She's a, she's a army soldier and breast cancer survivor and, um, sexual trauma survivor. So she, I mean, she always has like really amazing stories to talk about. And and she, um, she was telling me about a friend of hers who took his own life and, and how he, he, he just always felt like being deployed was easier. You know, he was like deployed, deployed life is just easier. You know, you wake up knowing exactly what, what you're doing that day. Why you're doing it and who you're doing it with, yeah. and then you come back, you come, you get taken out of that that routine, and we like to think that it's liberating, right, to get out of that, get out of theater, to be off a of deployment, and but really it's it's almost daunting to have the task of having to fill your own
2: time now. Yeah. I always thought once I got you know after Marine Corps after um, after Iraq, I thought everything was just going to be a piece of cake downhill and you know just a breeze yeah uh my rock was so much easier like you said you get you know get up eat some bad food you know what you're going to do um you know try not to die and (laughs) (laughs) it it was simple i mean there's no daily bullshit to worry about yeah i mean it actually was a hell of a lot easier than it is here even with the hostile combat situation and mm-hmm. i don't think a lot of people i don't know i guess like if someone told me that too and i would never been there i probably wouldn't understand what the hell they're talking about either
0: sure, right because i mean that's not that's not an environment anybody wants to be in Yep. um but it's still an easier it's still easier to manage from a um from sort of a mission standpoint right oh yeah yeah
2: and everything's A and B, and, you know, we're going here, we're going there, and everything's spelled out for you.
0: Do you feel like you're stuck, and, and again, uh, you know, I'm just I'm trying to trying to get some elaboration, I'm, and I'm generally interested, so please don't think that I'm trying to be intrusive. Yeah. Do you feel like you're stuck in this mindset of having a problem because you're saturated with medical issues and you having you know having prescriptions and this doctor and that doctor do you feel like it's almost hard to define yourself any other way because it's so caught up in your everyday life
2: yeah kind of i mean yeah like i said there's just i got my own pharmacy downstairs um constantly at doctor's appointments whether it's just a general doctor you know my back my mind my counselor uh right now it's kind of consumed my life is everything is about health issues right now yeah
0: are you doing anything that you enjoy
2: like i said i outdoors um shooting um i got Part of it, I go through physical therapy for my back, so I'm, I'm trying to get back into the routine of going to the gym and, you know, getting in some exercise, so I do get some, some days are, you know, actually pretty enjoyable, but it's, it seems like the hard ones outnumber the good ones by a long shot.
0: Yeah, and I can only imagine the weight of the bad days are heavier. Than, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so is that, is the occasion over the summer, is that the only time that you, that you, that you actually, um, strongly considered suicide?
2: Yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of times that it's crossed my mind and it it still has, but I mean, now after everything this summer, I just, I just couldn't do it because of my kids. Um, but that's, that's by far the farthest and the strongest that those feelings have ever
0: been. Yeah. You said you, you've met up with some friends, you know, some other, um, you know, other Marine buddies of yours that some are experiencing the same issue. Some are succeeding, mm-hmm. um, getting past it. What, um, have you been able to sort of take anything from their success and, and apply it to your situation? Or has that at least, at least given you hope that there is, uh, you know, um, you know, pushing on will, yeah. will bring, <clears> you, bring you some sort of success?
2: Um. You know, I haven't talked, I never got to talk to really detail with a lot of them, but it, they all say, you know, I was it seems like mine took a while to, um, after a couple of years, I mean, it really went downhill where it seemed like others, it happened right away. And now they're pushed through it and things are getting better. And it, it seems like it's mine, I, I'm kind of right in the middle of it right now where some are either just getting started or others have managed to, you know, find a way to put things together. Um, so, I mean, it does give you that it's possible. and But at the same time, it's kind of frustrating because you see other guys, you see a lot of them that are hurt worse and that are dealing with harder things that are doing really good. And then that that's frustrating. You know, why the hell can they do it? And I can't figure it out
0: do you think it's i mean is that how you view it do you view it as this is a problem and i need to figure it out
2: uh not really um not like it's a problem it's just you know they maybe they had better support or you know they were just able to put the pieces together i guess and push through it and you know one day for them it finally clicked and you know, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I got to do. And I'm going to make it happen. And I think I'm still kind of waiting for that, you know, that day when I'm like, all right, this is it. I'm going to get my shit together. Just okay. kind of waiting for that to happen. Sure.
0: Um, so, you know, a lot of, you know, you, you approached me wanting to, to tell your story. Um, and, I, and I really appreciate that. I think this is, you know, the... You know, having veterans that are open about this sort of stuff is is really what's going to let people know that it's okay to have these conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so is there anything about your experience um, or about the topic at hand that that you were hoping to talk about today that we haven't touched on yet?
2: Um, I don't know. Not. I mean, I just wanted um whatever anything out there that can help people. Especially the, the loved ones and the spouses that aren't the military personnel that are, I mean, like I was the first one in my family to go military. So we, my family's never dealt with it, period, peacetime or not. Yeah. And they need to, I mean, and just help them in any way understand what's going on in the, the mind of someone that's come back from combat situation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And I think, um, you know, that's a really great point is, uh, you know, if you're not familiar with the military lifestyle, I mean, it's sort of a shock to everybody. Oh, yeah. You know, like, you know, my mom was at least fortunate enough that certain, during some of my hardships, she had her experience with my dad being in the Navy mm-hmm. to sort of understand, you know, what hardship hardships I was going through and sort of you know, at least we're we're able to, you know, she at least had examples of, you know, like she was like, you know, Hey, your dad went through this too. Um, and you know, and she even like pointed out, you know, you remember being a little kid, your dad was going through this and it gave me like, it gave me a reference, you know, of like, yeah, that's true. Like, and it was able to sort of easier to cope with, but if you're a family who's not familiar with that military subculture, I mean, it's that lifestyle is so different and it's, Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's one thing for you as the military member to get used to it um because the you know the marine corps is telling you how it is and yep. they have to sort of be on the outside and sort of just take what they can and try to make sense of it all
2: yeah and then you know like going to the marine corps you know and then like they always say if we wanted you to have a family we'd issue it to you <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and then i mean in uh boot camp the four years of marine corps instilled things in me that took my parents 18 years to do and then going to combat just i mean it just burned it in that much more they i mean they just got to get used to it i guess uh, the way i am used to the snap and pop and move with a sense of urgency and i mean like i said they've never been around the military at all so it's going from zero to a hundred with them trying to um get used to the marine corps especially i guess
0: Casey so open and honest with me about what was going on with his family and his own feelings about it and the responses. And, you know, I I think, um, you know, I don't want to label anything typical, but I feel like Casey's story is a good representation of what we feel uh, is occurring here in suicide. And one of the things that, um, one of the stigmas that gets attached to this is labeling suicide as selfish and casey casey mentions that you know his ex-wife you know labeled his attempt as selfish and i've had this conversation with many people about uh you know the selfishness and suicide and you know i i, I label i titled this episode that because it's sort of it's the part of it i wanted to emphasize a little bit because i did i did want to address the stigma behind that and i'm not I'm not gonna say whether or not there is a selfishness behind there because it's it's difficult to say there is um, that that being someone who's attempting that that's a selfish move I don't think it's necessary I don't believe it's truly selfish for someone uh, who wants to commit suicide to do so I think it's more selfish for those of us around that individual to to say you're not allowed to do that, or to criticize them for believing that that's the right, the right answer. I mean, I think it's more selfish for to to put their attempt on us and to label their behavior as selfish because of what it might do to us. I think that's even more selfish, and I think that I think that too many people have that response to suicidal behavior of, well, don't you know how much don't you know what that'll do to me? Don't you know what and we kind of forget about the emotional torment that this person's going through to have reached that stage, to have reached that that point of their life where they're like, well, people around me are probably gonna be better off when I'm not here. And if you look at it from that standpoint, they're not being selfish. They're trying to they're trying to be unselfish by removing themselves from the dynamic and not being a burden anymore. And then to respond to that is like, well, that's selfish. Um, you know, I think it's a huge misunderstanding of why someone's committing suicide, why someone's attempting, why someone's going through the, these problems. And then our response to it is definitely, I think, unjustified. I think it's, um, well, I mean, maybe it is justified, but I, th- I think it's unwarranted. You know, if you get put in these positions um, or you hear about a suicide, really think about. What actually is going on? What is that person going through, and you know what are they? What were they actually trying to accomplish out of that? Um, And as as I've mentioned, or as I've heard from a few doctors, you know, suicide is not about dying; it's about stopping the pain. And so, it's it's key to remember that suicide is not about removing them it's not about dying but it's about removing themselves from society it's about removing themselves from a bad relationship it's about stopping pain it's about ending something they've just decided to end their life along with it please keep that in mind the next time you encounter a case of suicidal behavior um, I apologize for for a little bit of the swearing that has occurred in a few of these episodes. I've edited a few, a little bit of it out, but I've actually I've I've kept some of it in because I think it's um, it adds to the authenticity of the of the conversation. You know, these the, are military members. It's just a part of our vernacular, so. Understand that uh, you know I am trying to edit it out for, to make the listening more pleasant, but at the same time I'm trying not to censor too much of what people are saying because I've, I'm sort of letting them just tell their story. That that's what comes out. That's what comes out. Um, so Ron Garner has you know I had a conversation with Ron Garner and I've in, I've included a snippet of his on a, on a previous episode. I have another one here today. Um, you know the last time uh, he that I put him on the show he. Um, I included the part of his interview where he talks about, you know, how you know, when you leave, you come back with, you know, some sort of PTSD. Like when you when you go to combat, you come back with some sort of difference. And you know, this clip is going to show more of, you know, the difference when you get, you know, how to actually deal with that difference when you come back from deployment. How just things are just different. Um, and so, you know, this is sort of a complement to what he talked about before, and then also how sort of to add on to. Casey's mention of, like, you know, just deployments a little bit easier because you know what you're doing and you come back and you have a different – there's a different transition and adjustment and different freedoms that you're not used to. Uh, and Ron adds to that. So um, here's here's the second part the interview that I had with Ron Garner.
1: No, I absolutely think that there is a place for it. There is a need for it, right? You can't just let – Every, as I said, everybody who goes on who goes on a deployment to a combat zone or otherwise uh, comes back changed in some way, right? And everybody who goes through any kind of traumatic experience goes comes through it changed in some way. But you can't just let in the long term you can't just let those people live in a bubble, right? You can't just set up a wall around them and say, this is the new wall that you live inside of, and it's just going to follow you around for the rest of your life, and that's okay. Because it's not okay. Yeah, Because we are a society. We Human beings are social animals, and we are not healthy um, if we are walling ourselves away from other human beings. Right. So for the health of the individual, not just for the health of society and for the safety of society, but for the health of the individual – um, you just can't do that. Now, do I think that there's probably some time frame, like maybe a week or two, where when you first get back, it would be nice if people just kind of gave, gave you a little space? Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, it's nice to slip into things instead of to, you know, be run over by them, right? I, I mean, there's also some benefit to people going back out in society immediately because one of the things that you don't, like one of the things that was a big thing for me when I came back was that I could go anywhere that I wanted to, right? Like I could, I didn't have to, I didn't have to be in a convoy to go outside the wire, right? <laughs> I didn't have, <laughs> I, I could just go outside the main gate. Yeah, and I could, I could get in my car and I could drive out into town and I could go to a movie, right? There was a whole world that was open to me. My life was not defined by these little little nodes of space with connectors between them that I could only travel along those connectors if I had, a, you know, an entire convoy with me, right? Right. <laughs> I mean, it's, and, and, and I, you know, there are people who live their entire lives like that, right? There are t- people who live their entire lives with these little nodes of space that they're allowed to, that they're capable of using, and then everything else that, that they experience has to be limited by the um, by the, the their safety concerns.
0: A lot of you have a lot of you have mentioned that you really enjoy that second part of each of each um, of each interview, that that second little add-on, that snippet, so I'm, um, I'm gonna continue to do that. I intended to have a Google Hangout every week after a show. That didn't happen. I did happen to have two, which was nice. Um, this week, there will be a Google Hangout. Uh, today is Tuesday the 8th when this is being released. On Thursday the 10th, I will have a Google Hangout. It will be at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can get more information on that at the website, one hangout manyprojectcom slash and that will have more information on this coming up hangout. I'll also share the link on our Twitter and our Facebook. We will be, uh, I will be talking to anybody who joins about the past five episodes, any questions you have, any feedback you have about the project, um, if you want to discuss ideas that have come up so far, and uh, I'll see if I can even get one of the guests to, to join us. Uh, if I see that there's going to be enough people on the hangout, I'll see if I can get one of the guests to, to, to join us. So the the resource for today is going to be Team Red, White, and Blue, and I, I'm bringing them up today because as, as you heard in the interview that I that I did with Casey, I asked him what he likes to do and what he's doing for fun, and you know part of the reason why I asked that is there's been a lot of power behind Team Red, White, and Blue and their efforts in keeping in keeping veterans active and involved and creating a sense of community. Uh, and for those of you who are not familiar with Team Red, White, and Blue, uh, you know they have chapters in every major city and in different and other areas of the state, and they put on activities. They, do, they go on runs and hikes, and they do, uh, you know, they go rowing, and they do a bunch of different physical activities to keep people involved with a group of people that that they're familiar with, that they have a commonality with. And it sort of helps inspire, you know. You know, exercise is very good for the mind. It's very good for the body. Um, So you know, it it serves a a double purpose there. So, uh, Team Red, White, and Blue is the is the resource for this week. I really want. I really want you. Get, I really want people to check them out. If you if you're looking for something, you know, they, they do something about every week, depending on the chapter. Um, you know, they have they have Facebook pages, they have Facebook groups, they have you know the website, and there's there's if you just Google Team Red White and Blue in your area, you'll find um, the the chapter that's closest to you. And then, of course, I have to thank my wonderful Kickstarter pledgers. They've one been very patient with the delivery of rewards. And, of course, they were very gracious in their pledges. I have a handful to thank today. Aaron Provost, Letitia Nakamura, Demi Chang, Mr. Holt, Kristen, Tom Folk, Joshua Ford, Streetshares.com, Serena Shock, Stephen Sullivan, Kristen Jennicky. Chris Mann, Will Brown, Cody Spencer, Travis Morrill, Gabe Thompson, Savannah Ramirez, Audrey Temple, Megan Greer, Tim Morehouse, Bob Lighthizer, Mark Young, Brad Skelling, Alicia Chow, Nate the Great, Mark Bennett, and Ron Niebuhr. Thank you, guys. Girls, everybody, so much for your support. And lastly, if you'd like to support the One Too Many Project, I am in the process of i am I am going to start my process of creating a five hundred one c three so that way I can become a nonprofit and accept donations. But until then, um, I have business transactions that I can uh, that I can still uh, provide um, with you know with shirts and coins and sponsorships. If you're interested in one of the Veteran Empire shirts or one of the One Too Many challenge coins, you can go to OneTooManyProject.com slash store. Or if you're interested in sponsoring an episode, you can go to OneTooMany.com slash sponsorship or simply email me, TimLawson21 at gmail.com, where we can discuss the sponsorship for you. Thank you again so much for listening. I will see you next week.